Listening to the Medic Materials Podcast, hosted by Mike Turek, Emily Yates, Kelsey Coons, and Gerard Cuomo. All our current EMS providers and educators with a combined 30 years' experience. Each month, we discuss EMS news, medical science, and review actual EMS calls, bringing many educational opportunities to the listener. Portions of the calls have been altered to protect the privacy and identity of all involved. Hello and welcome everyone to the uh, Medic Materials Podcast. My name is Mike Turek. I'm here with Emily, Gerard, and Kelsey, as always. And uh, we are going to be continuing our conversation about uh, EMS mental health uh, here in National Mental Health Month. We had a uh, amazing episode here on the first of the month with uh, Joni Bonilla. If you didn't check that out, the link will be in the uh, show notes or the description of, uh, of this episode. So make sure to go check that out because it is a absolutely amazing you you just drink it drug just drink it don't be shy i had to look your way to not laugh at that so it must be known everybody here but kelsey because well you know She's too young. My virgin um, screwdriver, <laughs> right? Is uh, is is preempting the uh, the the conversation that we're going to have today uh, with a with a little bit of adult frothy beverages. So um, I'm hopeful that uh, Gerard, you won't be too angry by the end of the end oh, of the I'm not evening an angry here. Drunk. I'm a funny drunk. That is that is true, but I don't think you'll be drunk. I think you're just going to be angry. I think this is going to sober you up quick. Yeah, yeah probably will. Um, where is I? So. As I said, if you want to, you know, be involved with Operation at Ease or even just find out what Joni is doing with her rescue dogs, uh, please go and find, you know, that uh, episode number 16, Operation at Ease. Listen to it and uh, really take in everything that she has to say because it is some great information. So before we get started, uh, Kelsey, your rig check. Don't look at me. Oh, he, she is looking at you. Don't look at me. What'd you do? <laughs> I hit my vape. Oh, okay. The face he made because he's being conscious about it now. <laughs> <laughs> if only this was on video, I know. everyone is. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I wanted to keep it quiet. You failed. <laughs> Little did I know. I made too much eye contact for that. Way too much. <laughs> One glance. That's it. Okay, guys. And just as New York has legalized marijuana, we have officially reached over 420 subscribers on our YouTube page. So thank you to everyone who has subscribed. And make sure you subscribe. Our next goal is to get to 450 subscribers. Go check out our Teespring page to purchase some of our Medic Materials merch. And you can also support us by rating and reviewing the podcast on whatever streaming platform you listen from. If you have a cool and interesting call that you want to hear us review on the show, fill out the survey monkey below and somebody will be in contact with you. And today we would like to shadow our listeners in Dublin and Illinois. Yay! Woohoo! Dublin. Dublin. I told you, there, right there is on. a growing international audience to this show and it's, it's really fun to actually see like all the little blips mm. pop up. You That's know, cool. we should get it, a is, map. it is really cool. I have a map. It's on a computer. That's how I know that people listen in Dublin. No, but like, put it on the wall so we can all see. I like the Irish. Who doesn't? Not many people. I like my people. Yeah, I know, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It'd be weird if I didn't. Yeah, that would be kind of weird, yeah. Yeah. Self-loathing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, in in all seriousness, though, to start the discussion, um, 
what I really wanted to focus in on today was stress and EMS, how it builds and how it turns into post-traumatic stress. Because there's in, in doing the research for this episode, I quickly realized that our way of life, our, you know, organizational cultural structure of EMS literally sets us up to fail and has a greater potential to cause post-traumatic stress for the EMT, paramedic, fireman, whatever you are, than any other business that I research today, which once I go through the actual like physiological changes that your brain undergoes during stress, it will all be clear. So um, we all know, you know, stress in small doses is okay. It's actually very helpful. It gives us a burst of energy. It gives us focus, right? It's that whole fight or flight kind of thing. And it really doesn't matter whether the stress is you're running from a bear or you're giving, you know, uh, care to a sick and injured or whatever the stress caused was. If you're running from a bear. Well, well, yes. Oh, I'm just you? saying s- stress in those types is a good stress, right? It's good right. stress that you're running from the back. Right. Right. You, you run faster than faster than your buddy. Right. I, yeah. <laughs> as long as you can get your foot out, you're fine. I'm screwed. <laughs> um, but we all you know, we've all heard that chronic stress is bad. Right. But no one ever really tells you why it's bad. So I wanted to go through all of the physiological, physiological, only number one. Yeah. Only number one. There's a lot of big words coming up <laughs> that I'm about to spit. Um, <laughs> this is why we don't record in the afternoon guys. This is, we fail miserably. Um, but, Chronic stress can actually affect the brain's size, the structure, and the functionality of the brain itself. And when we start having a like stressful response, that stress originates in a location called the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. I know, large little thing in your brain, little thing in your kidneys. There's no okay. There's no acronym for that. It's HPA. Okay, so there's an acronym. I would have never even asked that. That's what we're gonna go with. I'm just it's medicine. Yes, it's like it's an abbreviation for everything. The aviation, it's just it it is an abbreviation for everything. Of course. So we're gonna we're gonna say the HPA, um, but it's. It's the interaction between adrenal and endocrine glands, uh, both within the brain and the kidneys. Okay, that that is where your your stress is actually uh, originating when your when your brain says, "Hey, mm-hmm. fight or flight mode." This is what activates. Okay, right. this HPA axis. So when the axis is actually activated, your body releases cortisol. I can hear you breathing. Um, <laughs> All I hear is. Drug, just stop. I could stay. Just you No, Ben Affleck, bad, bad. I should have went to bed. Yeah, you probably should have. So, 
when this axis is actually activated, your body releases cortisol. Uh, cortisol is a hormone that is directly responsible for the sympathetic nervous system's fight or flight response along with epinephrine. It's your stress hormone. It's your stress hormone, okay? So when cortisol, and this is the big port, big port, big part. <laughs> <The> big part. <laughs> <laughs> Again, there's number two. We should have a running tally. Like there should be a ding <laughs> when I, I'll get a, when I'll I get fuck a up. Yeah, um, you done did fuck up. <laughs> um, Our paramedic uh, course instructor would be proud. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm a rotor roll. <laughs> so uh, when cortisol is at sustained high levels, okay, and this is where. We are at as EMTs and paramedics, right? We are at a constant high state of stress, right? And we'll kind of get into the reasons as to why later in the in the episode. But this high level of sustained cortisol leads to an overdrive effect in the amygdala within the brain. In the now, what? what? That literally, I did not miss you. You can't, you can't ding me on that. Can one. you do the, that one more time though? The amygdala. Is part of the brain. I don't think that- I've ever said it like that. How do you is say it? it? I don't know, but it's not that. Ain't that the part that makes alligators ornery? <laughs> <laughs> That's what Mama said. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I can't today. Sorry. Um. I'll just be over here. <laughs> can't even drink rum to choke. <laughs> So this is this is the part within the brain that actually controls fear. Okay? Now the hippocampus is thing. Yeah. Thing. Uh the hippocampus's electrical pathways break down leading to difficulties in learning, memories and stress control. Okay? So not only do you have a overdrive in the fear portion of your brain now you're having difficulties learning in memory and in controlling your stress control right this breakdown also inhibits the hpa the hippo thing (laughs) dang (laughs) this is why should have started at 9 a.m um this, yeah, this breakdown also inhibits the uh, hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axes or HPAs, making uh, it harder to control your stress. Right, cortisol at high levels also may have the ability to physically shrink the size of your brain. It decreases the number of some. Uh, right. Um, it decreases the number of synaptic pathways and decreases the size of your frontal cortex. Now, your frontal cortex, when it shrinks, leads to issues in social interaction, judgment, uh, decisory. Ding. <laughs> wow. Des- decisory. Ding. <laughs> it's a lot to read. It is a lot to it's read. It's a lot to read. Decisory do. Dickery dickery. What you have another drink? Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, that's just what I need, right? Give me, give me your vape. Uh, um. So, um, 
With the decreased size in your frontal cortex, it leads to issues in social interaction, judgment, decision-making, and concentration. It may also lead to a decreased number of brain cells produced within the hippocampus. So, so the three you already have are now no longer functioning. Right. So when I was like... When I was gathering all of this information, right, and it's a lot to break down, I literally had one thought and one thought only. And you had an amazing thought that I didn't even think of him. Like, I was thinking our business as it is culturally and, you know, how we organize all of our structures within paramedicine is designed to make this possible, mm-hmm. right? It, 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 we are at a heightened level of stress all the time, no matter what. And we are increasing levels of cortisol all the time, which is making all of these things possible. But then again, I had the thought of if we are literally making ourselves open to higher cortisol levels, you know, decreased functions within the brain, we're opening ourselves to increased ability to have post-traumatic stress. Like, one doesn't happen without the other. You don't just sit there one day and go, oh, I had a really bad incident, so now I have post-traumatic stress. Yes, that's how it might seem, but this led you there. Like, this is the whole pregame. Your guys' thoughts. Em, I want you to touch base on what you said too, because it's also um, it's also cumulative. Well, and not only that, we're creating an environment. So we all, all of us at this table, have bitched about the salty providers. Mm-hmm. This makes more sense. We have an environment that creates salty providers. Yeah, yeah the guys that hate the world and you know. But we always on. say, like, oh, once you've been doing it 20, we- 20 years, yeah. you know, you get those salty providers. Like, yes, because yeah. their brain has physically right. changed. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they're just going strictly on on fight or flight, and you know, from my understanding of how things you know work, because of my own issue, um, you know, you end up when your brain checks out like that and produces all these extra chemicals, you end up in this almost continual state of of um, stimulated sympathetic nervous system. So your brain literally goes, the, 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 the neural pathways that normally go, you know, the front part of your brain and all over the place and, you know, make you do, you know, good judgment and all this good stuff, uh, they all get cut off and you end up with primitive brain. And you have pathways that go from primitive brain back to where the part of the brain that makes you do shit. So it's basically like being, you know, in that heightened state 24-7 you know, there's a saber-toothed tiger behind you at all times. And um, all your decision-making is based on that. So. And we can't live like that. Like, that's the thing. Like, And, and that's what really opened my eyes to, to the actual science behind the changes, right? It's not so much that, you know, people are getting saltier and have these episodes and whatever. It's our culture. Right. What our operational system within EMS is structured like is legitimately creating the problem. But yet either nobody knows or they know and just don't care because it fills a seat. 
right? Mm. And and there's a truck to go out on the right. next run, right? And and that's kind of where it makes me really angry in the fact that you know we we all sit there and go, how can we pre- you know prevent? And I will go into some statistical data on you know post traumatic stress in EMS. How we always say, how can we pre- you know? prevent these, you know, traumatic episodes? How can we prevent, you know, people from, you know, breaking their mind and stuff like that? Well, here's your answer, right? We don't have to look very far. Here is your answer. The physiological chemical changes (coughs) within the brain. Yeah. And then, I mean, along with that, you know, maybe a more proactive approach to mental health versus, Reactive. Oh yeah. Oh, you you had a bad call. Okay. Well, let's let's get you some help and let's do that. I mean, not that any agency actually does that. Yeah. You know, but, but it's not even just the bad call because if you think about it, and like, yes, you're stressed on a bad call. Yeah. You know, you get that. But what about when you're at the building and like you're waiting for waiting those tones to drop? Yeah. You're, you're, you're you heightened. are stressed. You're ready to go. Mm-hmm. You cannot tell me that you're going to get the same night's sleep at the building waiting for absolutely a call not. as you are at your house. Yeah, nope. Absolutely not. No, it's, and, and, it just you're heightened. And the fact that it's all cumulative. cumulative right. I've seen. I'm. <laughs> No, you're, you're rubbing off on me. You're welcome. Dang. <laughs> yes, it's him. It's not the alcohol. Right, it's, yeah, it's, not, uh, it's all cumulative. So, you know, you can have a nasty, you know, MVA. You can have, you know, a heartbreaking, you know, pediatric cardiac arrest. You can have all these these horrible things and get through them just, you know, hey, I'm good, whatever. It's all good. And then one day you'll go and it'll be some stupid little call that, You've done a thousand times, and suddenly that's the straw that breaks the camel's mm-hmm. back. Yeah. And, and now you just completely break down. Yep. Right. And a lot of people don't look at it like that, is that it is cumulative. Like, yeah. every single trauma that we see and, you know, and deal with adds up in the long run. Yeah. It might take you three months. It might take you, you know, 30 years until it finally breaks. But somewhere that straw is going to break, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me go through some statistics here, right? So um, I was looking at statistical data through um, th- uh, for post-traumatic stress with the American, just the generalized American population, right? And um, anywhere from 7 to 8% of the current American population, that's 23 to 26 million, will experience post-traumatic stress at some point in their life. Okay, that's a lot of people when we're thinking grand scheme of things. When we actually talk specifically EMTs, paramedics, first responders, um, depending on which study you read, since there's not that many, um, you can roughly say that 30 percent of EMTs and paramedics have developed post-traumatic stress. Okay, 30 percent. That's a lot. Now, I still don't believe this number. And that's a low ball. That's a low ball. So when I was in nursing school, and this was probably like, I don't know, when I was in nursing school, I did a project on this. And EMS, being an EMS and in healthcare in general, is one of the highest risk professions that you can get in. We all know that. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the things that I really focused on was mental health because I thought it was interesting that they say 30%, and that was the same statistic in 2018 when I did this project, Mm -hmm. um, that 30% of us have PTS. Yeah. Or, and there was something like 15% committed suicide due to job-related right. issues, but that they actually think that that number is more like 60% have PTS, and it's just un, 
diagnosed or it's right. undocumented because right. there's such a stigma with it. And nobody yep. talks nobody about it. Nobody talks about it. There's no resources out there. So they have no idea right. what that real number is. Yeah. And 30% is a huge number. Right. And, and that is the lowest possible scenario. And and the number that still to – I'm looking at it and I went through the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics to find mm-hmm. this. But it says nationally there's only like 220,000 EMTs and mm-hmm. paramedics in the country. Mm-hmm. That to me is mind-boggling. Like you think there's more than that. No, it's not. A, it's a very small community. But it's a very mm-hmm. small community, mm-hmm. right? Two hundred and twenty thousand across the country that are active. Not, not yeah. you know, like hey, they had a card and now they're not. Right. But thirty percent. Thirty percent. That's a of huge number. Two hundred and twenty is still a shit yeah. ton of people. Yeah. Right. So there was uh, Kelsey. Do the math. I'm yeah. doing it. <laughs> I, I, that was one. Do the math. That Kelsey. was one calculation I did not write down. Well, I remember 220,000. 220,000. Which means roughly on the low end of it, 66,000 people have PTSD. And that is yeah. the lowest Diagnosed. possible yeah. scenario. So now mm. you're looking at 132,000 for 60 percent. Mm. Right. They That's actually think over, half, over like, half of us have PTSD related to the job. Yeah. And again, that's mind blowing. You look at yeah. the science behind it. Our job creates this, the, mm-hmm. the opportunity for having PTS. And I knowing can, that. You will not change my mind on that, yeah. knowing the science behind yeah. your brain yeah. chemistry. It's a big shit sandwich and we all take a bite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> More or less. Enjoy. Gerard and his kindergarten uh, analogies. analogies. I like to break things down to the people. Uh, in real, in, in, terms in real Linda, yes. right? Uh, sorry. <laughs> be my next t-shirt. Sorry. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Right. So... Uh, <laughs> I found a uh, I found one research paper and it, it took a very small sample, right? Um, it took a sample size of thirty four thousand three hundred and forty uh, EMS providers that this research study surveyed. Okay, and of that thirty four point three thousand, six percent are experiencing mild to extreme depression, anxiety, or stress. Now. Of that 34,000, 55% of them said that they feared speaking out because supervisors would treat them differently. 45% of that 34,000 said that they feared a coworker would label them uh, as something weak, useless, whatever it might be. Oh, we hear it all the time, too. Yep. You know? And 30. Oh, you need a thicker skin, man. Right? Two weeks ago. Yeah. Yep. Two weeks ago, I did a cardiac arrest. I will always cry on a cardiac arrest. You want tears? Look at Emily. And I had a supervisor look at me and say, oh, you, you need to grow thicker skin to do this job. Wow. Yeah. As if you've never done this before. Yes, fair. Right? But and the fact that that's the time to be a human being. Right. You are allowed to be to have feelings. You're allowed. No. I don't care. I will cry every for 16 years. Every single cardiac arrest I've ever gone on, I have cried. 100%. Good for you. Thank you. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, it was weird like for me, you know, <clears throat> you know, I had a I had that that bad one and uh I didn't cry and I didn't know why. And like it, it went for, remember it was like weeks or it was, something. It was a while. And then just one day, I don't even know what the hell it was. It, it was something stupid, maybe something I saw on TV. I don't know, you know, like a, you know, bad like puppy a, commercials. Like a Brio commercial, <laughs> <Yeah>. where, you <laughs> know, showing everyone with COPD just frolicking on the beach, you know. And, uh, 
<laughs> and just all of a sudden, man, just hit like a ton of bricks, and I bawled like I've haven't bawled in. You're allowed Crying to feel feelings, so like, but they you grow up in this culture that it's not okay to feel what they feel. You're it's okay mm. to not be okay on a call. Totally okay. You need to do your job. You need to treat your patient. It is okay to cry after. Yeah. Crying is so therapeutic. But but that's it. Like it's okay to be a human being. Yes. Yeah. You I mean, know, don't, like, don't make yourself part of the. It's not your situation. emergency, right? It's right. not yeah, your I mean, emergency. We're but not saying just go ball with the family and you know. Right. Ball. No. When everything is done on a cardiac right. arrest, I will go sit with the, the living space. family member and right. I ask them to tell me about the the deceased patient. Yeah. And I want to know about it. I want to know what their life was like together. I want to know how long have they been married or how long, right. you know, have they been together, whatever the case may be. And I will just cry with them. Yeah. It's okay. Mm -hmm. yeah, and me, I usually, I always go to that, you know, if it's something where there's a family present, you know, uh, back to the last one I did over there, you know, it, uh, you know, my thing is when we're done and we realize we're not getting them back and we're going to secure it. You know, I'll go out to the family. I explain to them what's going on. Absolutely. I explain to them what happened. And then the, the next thing I say, I, I tell them, look, I am at your disposable. Mm -hmm. you're, you're disposable. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this one is tough. Yeah. Tough today. <laughs> See, what happens I get a thought in my head and I look at you and then the words are all fucked up. <laughs> See, that's <laughs> what I do. <laughs> no, that's look at yourself. Totally, no, 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 no. That's I look why you're not at looking table, at you. And I'm like, they're judging how I'm talking. <laughs> that's and why then I'm it's not like, looking at you. <laughs> You're judging, and I feel it. So, Stop being so judgmental. So I tell them that, hey, you know, I'm, I'm now at your disposal, and I will do whatever you want me to do. You want me to cook you breakfast? I will cook you breakfast. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That is a huge you know, thing, too. You want a cup I'm of coffee? I'll get you want right. Me to be. You will, want me to make a phone call? I will feed the dog. I don't you care. Any questions you have? Yep. I'm, I'm happy to. Whatever you need me to do for you, I'll do. You know, and, yeah, and that's the way it should be. Yeah. You're being a human being at that point, like job aside. Yeah. You're, you're literally not, just being a human being. You're not a machine. Right. Uh, yeah. At that point, I belong to them. Right. Sorry. And it's OK to stay out of service to provide that yep. because they're going to sit there and yeah, they're not going to remember that you tubed the guy and I owed the guy and pushed 12 epis and said, oh, well, I'm done. They're going to remember that you sat there with them in their right. grieving process and helped them all along through that time. Right. Because the cops sure aren't going to do it. Nope. I've never seen a cop that was, you know, uh, you know, sympathetic, you know. No. The, everyone else just wants to get back in service. Right. They're like, see you later, goodbye. No, I'm going to sit there, you know. Uh, one of the worst things that I ever went through was I did exactly what you did. I have a tendency to sit on scene and talk with grieving families and explain to them really what, what I did and what was going mm -hmm. on and give them closure. Give them mm -hmm. some sort of closure Absolutely. instead of just pack up and buy. So they understand that, that so, everything humanly possible on this planet was done for And them. don't right. talk about it in medical terms. Nobody right. knows that. Right. right. No, I know, I know, Nobody right. knows that. Right. Oh, see, I answered the I.O. when I yes. first came through the door. Be a real I, person no. with them. Right. You know. And one of the worst things that that I went through was I had another provider on scene. And when we left, they literally looked at me and were like, did you know these people? Like, <laughs> Nope. Why did you talk to them for so long? Cause you can only be nice to people and, that you know. And I'm like, right. and I'm like, cause you're oh a human being like, because that's what they deserve from me right now. Right. Like I have nothing else going on in my world right now other than them. Because their world just fucking ended. Right. Yeah. Like, 
I, I it, the the humanity aspect of EMS needs to come back. And yeah. I think if we all looked at this profession with a little bit more humanity, maybe we wouldn't be treating people, patients and ourselves included, like we do. Having the stigma and being like, hey, you know what? It's it's okay to be a human being. You know, like we're all going to go through something, whether it's in the job or outside of the job. We all bring something to the table, you know, I think maybe just I mean, you know, I know everyone's got a right to make a living and stuff. But, uh, you know, maybe some of these salty people who have maybe they've just been here too fucking long. But, you know, and this Turk's research proves this because it's more difficult to learn. So are you going to go after 20 years in EMS? And start a new career path? No. Because it's that much harder yeah. to learn, and it's yeah. that much harder to handle stress, and it's that much yeah. harder to make decisions. This is what you do. You've We've created you a situation that you are stuck in. Yeah. 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 And then and then it but just... Then it rubs off on, yeah, on 100%. the business itself. Right. You know, the business we do. Um, and, and that's why, you know, the, the biggest thing that I wanted someone listening to this episode to take out of this provider or supervisor, operational director, whatever it might be, to actually see the signs that this is not a personal issue, you know, this is a cultural operational issue. Like, if you have to figure out a way to make sure that people are not stressed while they're just sitting there. Or maybe cut their hours so that they're, you know, not working 36 hours straight or 24 hours but straight. But how many times, and know? I'm sure that all of us sitting at this table have been like, you know what, I'm at my wit's end, I need a break, I want to take a week off. And you go and you put your week off request and they're like, ah, oh, sorry, you don't have enough PTO, you can't take it. Yeah. Right. How many times has that happened to us? Yeah. yeah. We are asking for help. Yeah. We are asking for a break, give it to them. And yeah. measure ours in hours, not like other people, you know, in days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like normal people. But but again, that's yeah. normal. You know, what? <laughs> right, right, what? But again, these are the things that culturally yes. we have to deal with as as providers, right? And and I will I will let you guys flood the table with all of your, you know, <laughs> things that anger you. Uh, right after I I give these last few well, statistics I think, I think here. Just a lot of what we do. He's no. Yeah, apparently I'm not getting bad. No. No. Bad, Mike. No, I was just saying, a lot of what we do, not not what we do, but the the culture of of our industry, I I think still has too many roots into the old fire service. Because what we do isn't fire. All right? Firemen can go to work, 24-hour shift, answer a couple of calls, you know, have how many battalions and, you know, stations and stuff like that. And it's not, over, I'm not diminishing what they do, but it's it's not overly taxing on them individually. See, I'm, I'm, this is the one time market in the books that I will stick out for fire is they have the same, they are still there for whatever shift mm-hmm. they're there for, waiting for their tones to go no, off no, or true. however they're dispatched. Yeah, that's true. You know, I just, recently in our area, there was a fatal fire with a child, like, yeah. They have to feel that. Oh, no, mm-hmm. no, I'm not. I'm not. Like I said, I'm not diminishing what they do. I'm just saying there's a difference in what they do versus what we do. We, you know, yeah, we we all answer calls, we all do that stuff, but you know, we only man- answer medical emergencies. You know, they might get you know the 
How many fire alarm activations? Okay, well, that's a call for them. The next crew, you know, the next battalion. Will yeah, but come what in happens when they go to that fire alarm activation and, like, oh man, it's, you know, XYZ high school again, and all of a sudden, like, it's fucking real. No, I And now that. you have 100 high schoolers. Yeah, like, I think that that's well, almost. I've, I've, no, I mean, how many it, times do we get a medical alarm for the same person? You're right. like, oh, it's just so and so again. And you go and you're yeah. like, oh, fuck. They're actually sick. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. it. It's 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 being at that heightened you know sense, but I think EMS shouldn't continue to model its operations the way fire does. I agree. They're two different services. It's, right. it's different. It's, I, I, I'm with you on that. That's the point I'm yeah. trying to make. It's I'm with you on that. I get it. Trying to figure out a way to do it without it diminishing. You know, I get one it now. From the other, but yeah, you know what I'm saying. So yeah, so like 24-hour shifts doing EMS, not really a good idea because right. every study on fatigue. And, you know, has all come out and said, you know, but 18 hours of, of straight, you know, work, you c- have the cognitive function of someone who blows a point oh eight. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now you're adding how many more hours beyond that? And then, oh, a holdover because of a late call. Right. I don't really want a drunk person working on my family member. But again, we don't we don't look or at it like that, even though even though the scientific data backs it up. How many agencies can you name that have outlawed 24 hour no. or longer shifts? None. None, right? No. I know of one, and they still allow people to do them. When they need help. Because you know? at the end of the day, in the business, they want somebody in the seat. Yeah. Right. And they don't care about our mental health. They don't care about our safety. Right. They want the shifts filled. Right. And and these are those cultural issues that need to be addressed, right? Yeah. It is a cultural problem. It is, I don't I don't even want to say it's the mental health problem anymore. It boils down to culture causes the mental health decline. But I tell which, people all the time that are getting into this, like in this culture, you will work endless hours. Your boss will call you, you'll always take the shift because you want the money. Like it's not right. worth your mental health. Yeah. yeah. You cannot put a price tag on that. So let it go. Yeah. That say shift no. will be there next week. There will always be open shifts in EMS. I, I can. I always. It's not worth it. Yeah, I always try to, and I know it's. It most of the time it falls on deaf ears, but uh, anytime there's like a, you know, you can tell someone who's kind of you know fresh out of the box, mm-hmm. and you know they're talking about you know oh picking up this shift, picking up that shift, working you know three four different Why? places, you know, and it's like I mean I had one at the oh I want the experience. Well, at the place I'm at now, we had one the other day. He was he was. You know, going on and on about this, that, and the other thing, plus his volunteer with the fire department and all that stuff. And I'm like, I, I, I actually just stopped and took a second. I was like, you need to do yourself a favor, and you need to, like, stop. Yeah. Take time for <laughs> you. He's like, well, mm-hmm. I just worked 100 hour a week. Well, I'm like, really? That's not something Why? to brag about. That's that not, is that's not something to brag about. That. Yeah. But in this industry, I mean, yes, like it shit. is. Yes, yes. Right? You know, in- so straight up, he looked like shit. You know, you know, black rings under the eyes. I mean, his uniform was, you know, unbuttoned and Deviled. disheveled. And you know what I mean? It, it just. Mm-hmm. Kudos for wearing one, I guess. I guess. I mean, there were some buttons buttoned. Were <laughs> you know? the shoes <laughs> polished? Laces no. undone. Oh, oh, he fails. Because he probably saw it from somebody else. Yep. It was. Drives me super salty. Bonkers. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, the thing is, this is an easy job that you can work 100 hours a week. And go home and have two days off and enjoy it. And like any other job you're going to do, you're only going to get two days off. But you can work 100 hours and make all that money and still have the same two days. It's not worth it. This is so much more stressful than a nine to five office job. And like they have their own stresses, but it's just not worth your mental health. You Mm -hmm. know, and that's kind of where I'm at now is, is, you know, I recognized through my own little journey that uh, 
it really comes down to um, risk management, mm -hmm. managing your exposure to the yep. shit. So when my but it's true, when like, my shift is twelve hours. At the end of that, and they go, "Hey, would you mind staying for another?" Four? I go, eh, "No." Yes, yep. I would mind. Bye-bye. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, Your boss calls you and like, yeah, you want to help them and you like everybody there, but yeah. no, it's not <laughs> now, worth it. No, I, you, you said risk management, and I think that's a great term because uh, my wife, when she flies, mm -hmm. if they ask her like, hey, we want you to do an overnight shift, right? Her shifts are 24 hours. So now right. they're asking her to come in early, 12 hours, right? right? This pushes her to a 36. They're not allowed to do 36s. Unless, yeah, unless, Ding. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> unless they have a risk management that passes, right? So they actually fill out a risk management form at the end of their 12 hours right. to see, like, can you go further? Right. Did you just get your ass slammed? Right, right. Did you, do, right. Did you yeah. do three calls? Did you get X amount of sleep? What What is right. your risk to reward benefit of staying. If their risk is higher than the benefit, she goes home. See, I think that would be a great That is that's huge. amazing. That yes. would be a great thing to actually mandate because we're never going to mandate it ourselves. Right. We need this is why we need stuff like that from Higher somebody, up. you know, above our agencies. Yeah. But how many times oversight. have you been on the end of a 16 and they're like, "All right, you're going to go on this long distance transport." Right. And if you looked at the boss sending you on that and was like, "Oh, you know, I'm really tired. Uh, like we fine. had a really busy day." Right. Are you refusing this transport? Exactly. If you're refusing, just go home. We'll discuss this later. Blah blah blah. You're yeah. going to get punished for it. Like right. so I'm saving you because I'm not going to crash your ambulance with a patient in it and we I'm going to get punished for it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. it's not worth it. Guys, yeah. I'm telling you, go home. Yeah. Go home and take the punishment because it's not worth the three hundred dollar fucking transport. Well, it really, when you when you look at it, there needs, like you said, there needs to be kind of this top down regulation. You know, somebody has not to so much like from ourselves. Well, and that's it. Like somebody has to watch out for us. I don't yeah. know. I don't we know. We'll work the hundred hour week. Fuck right. It. I don't know if it's like a, I, I don't know if it's like a regional standard, an agency standard, or like a state standard that should that should be like, hey, these are the rules. Everyone get on board, or you know, pound a pound it. sand. I would actually love to see it come out of DOT. Yeah, at the federal level. But see, that's the thing. Like, I don't know because every state is different, right? I was talking to a couple different providers that listen to this show on how their systems deal with mental health mm. and it is astronomically different than ours oh really yeah it's like they Do have time. things in, and i'll get into it they have things in place and systems and management structures and it's like oh my god they care really? right but hmm. but here where's this fantasy land seriously <laughs> you you literally look at it like in our land. area and you're like oh okay well I guess I might as well, you know, do that $300 Medicaid transport and then go home, contemplate suicide and blow my head off. Yeah. Right. Because that's where we're leading right. people in our system, because Gerard, as you know, there's no help out there for people. No. There's there's no safety net right. for us. Right. I mean, I've literally, you know, when I had to raise my flag and, you know, wave my white flag and say, I, I, I need help. Mm -hmm. And they looked at me like I had five heads and they were like. Whoa, well, what do you mean you need help? What do you expect us to do for it? Well, I need something because I ain't, I ain't right. And they're like, well, we don't really have anything. 
we'll have to look into it and get back to you. So six weeks later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which for know. some people can be too late. Which, right. Which, you know what, I'm not even, I'm actually grateful because the person who did it fought like hell to get it for me. Because there was nothing in place and she had to literally like grab people by the freaking nose and kick them in the ass. Mm-hmm. To get him to freaking, you know, good, through. good, and, and no, but it took her six weeks. But the fact that Bless you have her. to do that, yeah. I'm out. How do you grab someone in the nose <laughs> and kick them in the ass? Like, there's two different sides of the body. Like, like you gotta pull back. Yeah, okay. you gotta pull back. Is it like this? It, it's it's doable. It's doable. We'll try it. <laughs> you gotta do some yoga first. I'll record it. Do we'll put yoga, it on the show notes. Stretch out. Make sure you stretch out. You know, you don't want to snap, hurt you. Don't want to snap a hammy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I can think about. Like her wet bandage. Like that's <laughs> literally. <laughs> I can't get past that. You and I. I know. We're like, what the fuck is a wet? What? <laughs> I listened to that on my drive when I was in Pennsylvania, and I was. Just hysterically laughing and I'd keep turning around and be like is my sister bandage. still asleep is the dog still sleeping <laughs> so can you restart because I miss everything after the wet bandage yeah, right. <laughs> um, alright so let me just get through this last statistic here The uh, and it, and it kind of has to do with uh, what I brought up the suicide rate right so US suicide rates are roughly 40,000 adults per year and that's American, just American. everybody, right? right? We're all just killing each other. <laughs> right. It's killing ourselves. Killing, killing ourselves. Um, now. <laughs> no. Take no. A drink, take no. a drink. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> I know where no. this is going. Yeah. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that was yesterday when I was on the plane and I was almost like, hey, COVID. And I was like, no, Kelsey, no, you cried. You can't say that. You're in public. <laughs> You're in public. You mm-hmm. can't make those jokes. Now, <clears throat> well, I was watching the paramedics do their half jog thing they had going yeah. on. I was like, Kelsey, keep it in your head. No, <laughs> See, you're, no, you're still proud. able to make that judgment call. Yeah. yeah that <laughs> you're not in this long enough. You'll be like me where you're just like, have a <laughs> your mouth is trying to say something. You're consciously trying to fight it. He gets Tourette's because he's trying <laughs> to hold back yeah. so much. <laughs> um. So last statistic here, the U.S. suicide rate is roughly 40,000 adults per year. Uh, while uh, around 13 million, that's 3.9% of Americans, um, are supposedly contemplating suicide. Now, again, I'm assuming that's a rough number because how many people are going to be like, yeah, I contemplated suicide, right? Um, Unless they're seeking help in some form or capacity. However... EMTs and paramedics are seven times more likely to contemplate suicide per year than the general public, right? So you're thinking, you know, 220,000 of us, there's 3.9%. Again, that's a lot of people. That's 20% of of our population. And that's a low ball. I can guarantee you that's a low ball. Right. These are rough estimates. Right. Because they don't know. Not everyone comes forward as the last, you know, survey showed. There's a stigma enough with take EMS out of it, just mental health in general, and then put mental health in EMS. And there's it's 10 times worse. Right. You know, and here's and here. Yeah. What do you got? 8,580 people. Yeah. Like that's unreal. And that's again low ball right right these are the things that i'm hoping this show kind of addresses right 
anyone that listens to it because we, you know, we always talk about, you know, EMS mental health in like super happy unicorn fairyland kind of oh well be really nice to your partner look out for them if <laughs> if they're looking like they're mm. kind of irritable and here that maybe oh you God, should right maybe you should yeah. see them and talk to them mm. and but do we really get down to the nitty-gritty science of it and affect positive change mm. i haven't seen that yet in our system i can tell you right now anyone comes up to me and they're like Hey, uh, how you doing, Nerio, big guy? How you it's doing? so awkward. Yeah. I, 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 number one, it's awkward as fuck. And number two, my initial response is going to be, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. It's all good. Yep. And but I think that also take it. into account, so like anytime there's a new employee and they go on what I consider a difficult call, which is probably a lot since I cry in every cardiac arrest, <laughs> I feel like I can gauge that pretty well. Take them in a private room and like tell me about it. Like, what are your feelings about it? I do that on every single call for a new person yeah. that I think is overwhelming for them. And that yeah. doesn't mean that it has to be a dead body or a murder or something like right, fun some, and, you know, in the news, traumatic, anything, something that anything watching somebody yeah. get intimated is like super traumatic. If you've never seen that before, mm-hmm. I've never seen that before. No, no. man. It's cause I take all the airways. Whatever. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Enjoy your airway training. Bitches. <laughs> so, I think we've we've you know hashed out a lot of the things that really frustrate us about you know the management of EMS mental health. Is there anything that we you know haven't really bashed down? Uh, you've been very quiet, yeah, new Kels. girl here, Kelsey. So, okay, there's one She's- thing that does really bother me. <laughs> it's when people say like you'll get there. You'll get to the point where like you're not excited for the tones to drop. You'll get to the point where like mm. you come in and you're like it's that. gonna be a bad day. Yeah. Like what if I don't want to be that get to that point right like i, I get i get that i'm brand that new but like i don't want to get to that point and the fact that you're already telling me that i'm gonna get to the point where i hate being here right. just like sad Wait, there's perpetuating the badness yeah. of the culture right. like we are preempting. yes like hey guess what you're going to hate don't this. worry you'll Stop hate this job being the ray of sunshine that right. you are and turn into the salty fuck. The miserable. Eventually, you're right. going to hate just picking up the old lady. I say right? every single day that if I go into my EMS job and the tones drop and I'm like, fuck, I don't want to do this. I'm out. Yeah. I am tapping out. It is not worth it. I will pick every old woman off off the floor. I will pick you up from the, the bathroom. The old lady are so sweet, too. Anybody. I don't care. I don't care mm. what it is. I will go to that overdose for the seventh time this week. I don't care. Yeah. That is our job. And I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and when you like, stop loving it, get out of it. <clears throat> and like for me, it's you know overcoming fear every day. Like because like we said, you know the 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 that fear thing takes over constantly. Yeah. It, watching it's your back, constantly in in my head. And uh, you know, like driving to work, I will put on like the hardest of hardcore, like Slipknot freaking you know shit to try to freaking just just get hardcore before I go to work. And then every time you know the tones drop, you know in my head. It's like you're in a mosh pit. I, in my head, I know. I, 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 well, I, your heart drops a little bit. Yeah. Every and, time and those tones go and off, I tell myself, you know, breath. They're emergency, not yours. I'm you just, got this. Yeah, I, I'm just yep. gonna, I'm just gonna do it. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna do it. Fuck the fear. Fuck the fear. You know, don't listen to that little voice, and uh, you know, that's telling you, hey, you suck. And are you sure you want to do that? Yeah, Is that sure the right choice? That, right. Yeah. You know. Because mm-hmm. he'll he'll pop up and he'll be all up in your face. Because. Oh, yeah? 
You know, I never thought I'd, I'd say he was in mine, but he's in mine every fucking day. Every day I go to work. Well, it's it's just that. But I, you know. I think that says something, too, because if you hear the to- like, if you go out on a call and you're not, there's no pucker factor, like you're not a little bit afraid. Mm. I don't know if you should be doing this anymore. True. Again, it's all of the human factor. Yeah. Like we all sit there and go, oh, man, yeah. I am not OK with what I'm going to. We all do I wish that. this and was anybody it's, it's but me. Right, okay exactly. To do that. I wish that anybody else is going on this call. Right, but we but we all do it. We all go through it. Yep. You know, and we all manage it in our own way. Um, you know, and that that kind of leads me into how do you guys kind of deal with you know, a stressful day at work. Like, you know, everyone in, in the EMS community always just as well, you have to uh, leave it at the door. You yeah. figure out how to fucking yeah. leave it at the door. <laughs> well, how do I leave it at the what door? What fucking door? What <laughs> magic <laughs> unicorn door what are you, talking are you about? fucking, you know, walking through that I've missed? Because I'm not even, I'm not near that door. I haven't seen that door. I don't know. What the I'm fuck not in that to do building. I'm nowhere near that fucking continent. <laughs> It is not, you cannot sit there and not take it home. So, you know, how do you guys kind of deal with that, you know, leaving it at the door, stressful day, coming home, decompressing? You know, I, my way is I will always tell all of my EMTs, all of my partners, all my EMT students, as soon as the call is over, Coke and Skittles, (laughs) get me a fucking Coke (laughs) and a bag of Skittles. And that, that returns me to like okay back to your baseline i'm i'm okay i have sugar i have caffeine i'm happy i'm good but that doesn't ground me that that's like the band-aid that you that you slap on to get through the rest of the shift right right but once i'm like okay i'm clocked out i'm going home there's ways that i kind of return back to my ground and that's i kind of sit there and you know use that uh electricity analogy in that when we come off of these stressful shifts, we are arcing all over mm-hmm. the place. Our emotions, emer- uh, yeah, dang, <laughs> our emotions are arcing all over the place, and we need to reset ourselves to ground so we're not arcing, mm-hmm. right? And I find ground in going to the store, buying like a whole bunch of really nice produce and meats and stuff. <laughs> And I come what? home and I, no, 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 I literally come home and I cook myself like a really, really good meal. It could be two o'clock in the morning when I get home. I am cooking myself like homemade mm. steak, potatoes. God, you're such an adult. Yeah. Like I don't sit there like. Damn. Yeah. And then typically that. within the next two days, I go fishing. Like, and that is how I return myself to being normal again. But that's just kind of the way I figured it out. Is there ways that you guys have figured out how to deal with that stressful day? I push it down on a nice big knot <laughs> in my stomach. Yeah, and then I have to beat it out of you. <laughs> helpful ways. Helpful yeah. ways. That is the anti-helpful ways. Find what you like, I, though. I, I mean, actually, I... Like I'm sitting here thinking about it, and I'm like... I'm trying to think of something that I do. I like crying and napping. So I like feeling it. Like you're allowed to feel these things. So if I, before I go home, I mean, I also think, and you might think the same, Turek, I think it's helpful that my significant other knows exactly what this is like. Oh yeah. Because they work it. Yeah. So that was a huge, that's a huge stress relief for me. But on my way home, like I will stop at 
somebody of water because I love the sound of water and feel whatever you're feeling. Mm -hmm. You're allowed to feel it, feel it through, go home, cry it out at the river, pond, ocean, wherever the fuck you are. Drive a couple back roads. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, feel it, go home, talk it out. And then I go fishing within the next week. Yeah. And and that's I'm it. Like you. if you know, I, we are all three of us because you don't have anybody. I don't care. You have a dog, but eventually you, you might have find us. some. Yeah, you have us. I call Emily crying <laughs> um, every day. But but all I of have us shown really up have before that, crying. that helpful significant other. Yeah. A lot of people in this industry don't have that. They're that's you huge. know married or dating someone that works in an office and they have no clue of what we do at work but it's it's an amazing feeling where i come home and mm-hmm. jess is sitting there like oh you look like you had a bad day and i'm like oh yeah just let me you can walk me in start, the door like, and cooking, yes and i'll tell you all about it you walk you know? in the door and your significant other's like something happened today yeah let's talk and then they literally sit down and actually listen yes. and it's like oh okay you know, yeah, that really does sound like... And they understand. Like, they yeah. get it because they've been through it. Right. That's, you know, the divorce rate in EMS is like through the roof. And I, I wonder how much that has to do with people that are married to non-EMS people mm-hmm. or non-first responders. Because I won't even say EMS, like first responders in general. Yeah. I think that has a lot to do with it because, you know, I... I am very lucky in my home dynamic in that if I do a night shift and I come home and I ran all night... A normal wife would sit there and be like, oh, Mike, you have a 40 thing to do list. I expect them done when <laughs> you get home. Your honeydew list. Honeydew, right. I love where, that. where Jess is like, go sleep. Wake up this afternoon. Like, it's fine. Right. I'm good. You mm. know? And having that, a lot of people don't have right. that. And it's in, and that's... And that's sad, and I hope that one day their significant other can understand what we do so they're able to sit there and be like, yo, you had a rough day, go sleep. Or, hey, I don't understand a word of what you're about to say, but just lay it on me. That's what my dad does. Right, I'll take half of your pain away for you. Even you going and working an overnight and like, oh, yeah, you only did one call, but you are awake constantly waiting for those tones to drop. Like, you're fucking exhausted. So, yes, I'm going to come home and take a nap. For somebody to understand that theory, like, oh, but you didn't do anything last night. Yeah, I mean, well, I was there. I know it's it's, (laughs) it's not the same, but it's the same kind of process that your brain is, it's like, you know, like someone walking. You know, in Afghanistan, you know, we right. don't know when that IED is going right. off. Right, exactly. You know, so you're going to be on alert, hyper vigilant, like twenty four seven. Like I know a lot of people get comfy when they get to work and they can do their overnights and they they put their sleepy clothes on. They get their stop talking comfy shit day. about me. <laughs> <laughs> me, I literally throw my my rucksack down on the bed and I leave my boots on and I just. Lay down until yes. something no. happens. I, mean, I can't PJs, sleep with socks, heated yeah. blanket. Socks is the issue for me. I decide to take my shoes off and start to get comfy. That's when shit's going to happen. Socks so is my issue, here, folks. Plus, I don't want to be comfortable at work. I want to, I want to work, and I want to go home, and be comfortable at home. I don't want my workplace to be my home. Fair, mm-hmm. fair. You know, but yeah. uh, I, I think another thing that uh, that I found myself uh, on my little my little journey to the magical land of Oz was. Uh, the manifestation of resentment for people who don't do what I do and have normal lives and are just going about their day and doing shit. And I'm like, fuck you just because you don't do what I do. <laughs> Whoa. No. So 
I can honestly say we never talked about that. So two weeks after I had a, you know, really nasty thing, um, I ended up having to be at a wedding party. (laughs) And we're doing the rehearsal dinner and I'm sitting there at a table and there's all these fucking people around me. And they're jibber jabbering about the most fucking useless nonsense I ever fucking heard in my life. Meanwhile, I got heads. He's still angry. I, got, I, got, I can hear. I, I can hear. Faces it. of fucking dead people flipping through my head like a Rolodex, and you know they're serving fucking spaghetti and shit. And I'm like, wow, that makes the same sound as something else I just dealt with, and looks like it too. And I'm literally there, completely quiet, stewing, because I have to be with these fucking. Scumbags in my normal people. Right, no, normal people. It, no, Fuck no, normal people. Scumbags without issues. These are, these are the thoughts in my head. I'm literally sitting there call, thinking these people are fucking scumbags. They're normal people. Mm-hmm. They're, they're normal. Yeah, There's living their lives. Yeah. But in my brain, it was fuck you. Hmm. And I literally didn't say a word the whole fucking night. And when I was asked later, Hey, you know, how come it was kind of noticeable. Like you didn't really interact with anybody. I'm like, the fuck am I going to say to because them? Because you don't want to know what's in my like, mind right now. Right. My response was, what the fuck am I going to say to them? Yeah. What am I going to tell them that that fucking shit looked just like the fucking brains of this one dude? No, fucking way. Fuck that shit. They don't know what the fuck I'm. I mean, literally, like, Whoa. F words. <laughs> like, literally, it was the, 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 the damn open and the F words were just flying. And I was angry at people who did nothing to me. Yeah. There was nothing to be angry at them about. They were, you were just angry because they didn't understand. They didn't understand. They don't understand. So right. it's, Which it's like, not their fault. And what a blessing that is that they don't right. see those things when they look at a plate of spaghetti. Right. That's a blessing. I'm never going to see spaghetti I'm the same. all for that. Like I, my least favorite question. So when people are like, oh, what do you do? I'm always like, I work in healthcare. I don't tell anybody what, exactly what I do. You have no idea. No. But they're all like, what's the worst thing you've ever seen? Why would I ever want to relive that? Yeah. Why, Why even ask that? Stop. Do ne- never ask that. What's your favorite thing? What's your and favorite you know what? call? Don't to ask me that. If you're if you're an EMS fire first responder yeah. provider, don't answer yeah, no. that question. Just look at them with a stupid freaking face and just walk away. You know what my always go to is like, well, your worst call and my worst call are probably two different things. Yeah. yeah. That's always my answer. And like I, I will never answer that question. I don't Because you don't want to know. I just say something stupid or funny. Same, same. You know, they're like, oh, what's your worst call? I'm like, mm, Mickey Mouse. Let me think about that. That guy that stubbed his toe three times in one day. Oh, no. It was the. Uh, no, I still. It's, it's the 3 a.m. old lady with toe pain, <laughs> you know, or something like that. No, I'd probably have to go with the guy who they found a dildo in his ass when they rolled him over. I mean, that one would probably be mine. It also happens way more than you think. Oh, yeah. There's way more creative things than dildos. If you're listening out there, please don't put things in your hands. Unless it has a handle. (laughs) You need a handle. Right? Tie it off, use some paracord. I don't care. (laughs) This dude was laying on it. He was was not getting it back. So, well, no, I mean, oh it, God. but that, but <laughs> My again, poor brain. I mean, that, that, that's something that, you know, I don't think a lot of people think about, but I know from personal experience, like, like I said, I mean, you just heard the amount of F-bombs that flew out of my <laughs> mouth, you know, just thinking about it because I, because I was angry with myself later for thinking that way. And then you've been in this, in this vicious cycle. You resent them, you hate them, and then you hate yourself for thinking that way because now you're not right. There's something wrong with you. You can't hate yourself for your brain processing the way it processes. Oh, you can. Okay, Okay. well, you shouldn't. (laughs) Right. Right. But that's it. Again, these are 
looking at the science behind it, we right. see why, you know, right. feelings of anger and irritability and moodiness right. and resentment all and those manifest. That, norm, that are normal are gone. Right. And all that's left are those pathways to the fight or flight part of your brain, right. the primitive brain. You know, yep. and, and these are the things that culturally we need to fix. And I think we all should, you know, sit down one day and come with a list of ways to fix the culture. Like, not just spitfire, but literal ways, full episode on how to fix the culture. Because I think it can be done if enough EMS providers sit there and go, hey, this is a problem and here's how we're going to fix it. We have the ability to come together and make change. No matter what agency, no matter where you are located, it can be done. Yes, I know, Gerard, you're shaking your head like the almighty greenback there, is, is making. I know. It, I know. Yeah. Uh, it, it can be done. It can it's, be. It's, I, I will not sit here and, and admit defeat that it can't be done. I, 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 I that will concede the, the point that it can be done, but I will also point out that this is for the most part, yes, I know there's many non-for-profit and all that stuff, but at some point it's about money. Yeah. And it's about if you're going to take money to put towards something like mental health, which we can't tangibly see and feel and, and hold in our hands, then that means we're taking money away from, you but, know, yeah, but you can see people buying the uh, restock of five by nines and all that good stuff. The non-sterile five by nines. Right. Yeah. Made in China. <laughs> but you can see people spiraling the out. Non-medical masks, <laughs> right? Yeah. Go ahead, Kelsey. You can see people spiraling out. I mean, you can see the dead person that just killed themselves. Like you can see it. Yeah. Whether it's it's not as I obvious mean, as a broken bone, but right. I'm remember also like, like remember yeah. what Dan Sun said. Right. You literally break your mind. Right. Yes. Right. It but is, you can see that in other things. Like right. I, I'm going to tell you right now. Every person that I work with, I stalk their Facebook. And the second that you start to post shady shit, I'm like, hmm, are you okay? Mm -hmm. You okay, bro? Do you need to talk? Come over for a drink? Right. Whatever. But that's the way to do it, right? Peer-to-peer -peer is a way that you can actually combat this, Because right? you don't feel judged. Right. Having you and I are going through the same thing. So if you came up to me and was like, let's talk, you're way more likely to do that than if, even if your boss was to come down and be like, are you okay? Like, right. go fuck yourself. You're the one sending me all these fucking transports. Yeah. Right. But it... it you need to have the atmosphere of humanity, right? We're not, we're, yes, we're all coworkers and we might all not like each other and we might all, you know, like not play nice in the sandbox, but we're all there to do the same thing. And we all have to sit there and go, hey, you know what? You don't look so well, right? Like one of the biggest things that, that I did going into this past uh, work week was, sit down with every single person in our agency that was there over the weekend and literally just be like, hey, how you doing? Not so much because of an agency, you know, yeah. issue that arrived, but because of a personal issue that dealt with the agency. And I sat there and was like, listen, I know what you're going through. It's not affecting me so much as it could be you. Talk to me about it. How are you feeling? How did you deal with it? Whatever. That's where it starts. The peer to peer is where it starts. Mm. You know, sitting on the back bumper at the hospital and putting your arm around your partner yeah. and being like, yo, that was fucked up. Yeah. What's in your brain? Because this is what's in mine. And just start talking. Yeah. People will sit there and talk to you. 
I feel like me, I mean, I know my MO is, you know, in the moment, I'm still on the playing field. So even after a shitty call, you know, it's my brain is still going over the call and I'm, I'm still in like mission mode. And it isn't until that night or a couple of days later or even you know, a couple weeks later where all of a sudden it'll manifest. And then I'll start thinking about it more at a, on a human level. And that's usually when he's like, what's going on? What's wrong? And I'm like, nothing. Like, Mom, what's wrong? Liar. Nothing. Don't lie to me. <laughs> like, don't lie to me. Here, have a green dragon. Like, okay. Yep. Okay. True serum comes true out. True serum. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I can tell you, the conversations that Gerard and I have had yeah. at 2 a.m. after like eight green dragons, mm. we're like, yeah, man, <laughs> the world is great. <laughs> I'll tell you that one time. <laughs> but that's about how it goes, you know, like, again, peer to peer. You don't have to be like a clinician specialist, right, with training. You can just be a human being. And actually care and show that human yeah. emotion, right? So, uh, in in ending, um, I want to reiterate some some things that uh, people, uh, programs, and and things that uh, different agencies have been doing, um, and different things that you can actually go and reach out to. We all know Operation At Ease. If you need a service dog, feel like you are in the market for a service dog and eligible for one. Reach out to Joni. Um, She's awesome. She is awesome. <laughs> really great. Like I was talking to her. She has completely okayed our um, our initiative for the fundraiser for June eleventh. Hey. Um, so eventually, I am going to be making a T-shirt for Operation at Ease in Ooh. combination with the podcast, and we're going to be selling it for donations that we're going to give to her uh, at the dog wash. So. Uh, that's really cool. Uh, the Code Green campaign. Everyone here has that. heard about the Code mm -hmm. Green campaign. Uh, they don't do treatment, but you reach out to them, you explain what your issue is, and they will assist in getting you the proper treatment in your area. So it's a you know a national campaign. They raise awareness for EMS mental health. Reach out to them. Their link will be in the uh, in the show notes in the description of whatever platform you're uh, you're listening and or consuming this on. Um, you can eat this and listen. <laughs> you can't, what? You, can you not consume with your ears? Uh, generally, no. Valid point. I mean, I feel the judgment. You two. I'm looking up the definition of to consume. Um, wow. Ha. Yeah. Uh, to eat, drink. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Or I lost it again. Uh -huh. To eat, drink, or ingest. Uh, You're ingesting education. I'm ingesting it through my earballs. It says in parentheses. Earballs <laughs> in your ears? Sure. It says in parentheses food right. or drink. All right. That's a party. Uh, so um, peer clinicians, right? <laughs> being uh, being normal human beings. Um, have you guys ever heard of EMDR treatments? Yes. So EMDR, so EMDR <laughs> treatments is something that uh, was actually brought to my attention through uh, one of our listeners. Uh, it's actually an eye movement desensitizing and reprocessing psychotherapy. It's a treatment. That was not what I thought it was. Yeah, so yeah no, me either. I thought it was something yeah, else I was with trees. Start that before COVID, but so COVID. so this is actually. Uh, <laughs> There are uh, people that are uh, certified as clinicians for mm -hmm. EMDR uh, in this one agency that this listener, uh, you know, 
consumes the podcast in. And um, yeah, I'm going there again <laughs> with my earballs. Chocolate covered. <laughs> No, I'm not going to do Don't it. go there. No, um, I was going to say white chocolate, but they don't like white chocolate. I was just going to say, you know what you got if you got balls in your ears. That's true. <laughs> so, um, I'm going home. <laughs> EMDR is uh, it's a psychotherapy treatment originally developed to alleviate like uh, memory trauma. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, they've actually adapted the program for first responders. So oh, that's, awesome. that's something to look into. Uh, TRE is another one. It's tension and trauma release through certain type of exercises. And that was another one that was brought to my attention that they use in this area uh, for this service area. Damn, where do they work? I want to go. Um, how many people do you know Jesus. that work in this field that exercise? Well, I mean, like, like, how do you get to these things? Well, and that's it. So these these two, the EMDR and the TRE, are actually national programs. They find clinicians that are in your area and bring them into your agent. Hmm. The uh, the other two that I found uh, were actually through the um, uh, Marcus Luttrell Foundation. Yep. yep. And uh, yes, it's more geared towards veterans, but EMTs and paramedics have been actually utilizing some mm-hmm. of this therapy, and that's uh, trauma-informed yoga. Um, oh, sold. So it's it's a way to do Stretching yoga. Is the best part of the day, guys. I guess, like, I reading into it, you're doing exercises. Exercising helps ac- actually expand the hippocampus, which mm-hmm. helps decrease all of those you know functions where it you know i don't know whatever i said in the beginning (laughs) it decreases the bad stuff yeah it decreases the bad stuff that happens in your brain um so trauma-informed yoga um and the uh accelerated resolution therapy which is geared to reduce fear, panic, and distress without having to like sit there and talk about what caused the trauma. You mm-hmm. don't have to sit there and go, well, I was a part of this. Well, see, that was right? my biggest thing with the whole, you know, the stress debriefings and all that crap. I know we didn't really get to talk about it. But, Notice I didn't bring that up. But yeah, I did that I mean, for a reason. Yeah. Yes, the critical stress debriefings are still a thing. Now, I did research on those, and they were actually developed in the 1970s with fire departments in mind. In 83, they were developed for the EMS side of things. By 87, fire departments and EMS said this fucking doesn't work. It doesn't. It doesn't. So they started moving away from them until 9-11 hit. Yes. And then there was such an overwhelming need for therapy that no one fucking knew what to do. So they they all just said, let's just go back to what we did before. But really, the research shows that there's actually no benefit to it. It's more of a hindrance because, yes, well, not so much a hindrance, but there's actually more data showing that uh, it can be more detrimental because now we're reliving an event mm-hmm. and and everybody's telling you what you could have done different. Well, not even that, but I can go and I can sit there and not be affected by something. Right. And then you tell me your side of things but now that memory creeps into there and guess what now i'm affected because 
of a whole different way of perspective yeah. Yeah. and looking at the incident that I was just a part of. Yeah. And, that, and that, I can tell you firsthand, that's that's what did it for me was sitting in that room with everybody and everyone going person by person, you know, almost a minute by minute account of their time yeah. on scene. Yeah. And it's just like, by the time they got to me, I literally was just like, I'll have a fucking Diet Coke. Yep. You know, I'm fucking good. <laughs> you know. Green dragon here. Green, yeah, right. dragon, Green here. dragon You know, I'm completely screwed now. Thank you. Yeah. You know, watching, you know, grown men break down and cry. Um, and I mean, hard guys like fucking biker guys, you know, and they're just bawling. biker guys are humans too. Biker you know, guys have you emotions. Know I mean, though, but like, I, yeah. Guys that usually would have held it together. Um, and then the moment they, you know, they start talking about it and getting to certain parts. And again, you know, bringing things up that, you know, maybe at that time my, my memory was suppressing. Mm-hmm. And it was suppressing it for a reason. Right. And all of a sudden, boom, there it is. Right. Can and of I'm worms like, here yeah. just made it worse. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and that's kind of why you're not seeing them very often used. You know? Yeah. yeah, you still see them. You've been a part of them. I've been a part of them years ago. The um, worst is the is the the mental health professional they have in the room. Yeah. It literally <laughs> is the worst because you get done saying your thing and it, it's they're literally just like, mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing, and uh, uh, let's go to you next. And and it's like, did you just negate all of right, my feelings? Right. I just like my yeah. entire heart out Are to you. you. Yeah. 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 yeah, you know what I mean, dude. Yeah. What did they doodle on their pad? Right, exactly. Like, can you, you show me? Know. Can you share with the class, please? <laughs> Probably a picture. <laughs> Definitely yeah. a flower. Yeah. It is uh, what it is. Yeah, no, that, that that was the worst part. Was the uh, the mental health Reliving. professional? Because mm-hmm. then when you ask them a question, you know, like. Okay, so you know it's been a week now, and how's that make you feel? Shit's like not sitting right with me, and like I ain't feeling too good. So, you know what what's the deal here? Well, you know it's good that you brought that up, and uh, you know you, you need to give that a lot of thought, and all this good stuff. Everybody and, takes uh, their own time. Uh, right, right. Yes. Right. Right. And I'm glad that you brought these uh, pre, uh, you know, politic, you know, canned answers. Right, Thank fr- you. Fresh donuts over there. Yep. Uh, yeah. The politicians will be in in a minute. Yep. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. You'll nice get time. your plaque and yeah. shut up and go do your <laughs> next right. fucking call. Yeah. It's about how it works. Yeah. So if there's anything else, guys, anything else to leave the table? That was a pretty fucking shitty note to leave it on. <laughs> I mean, if anybody out there feels like there's nobody to talk to, like, message us. Yeah. We're real people, I swear. No, for, for I promise. For real. I mean, it, we, do have we obviously like to talk. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, obviously. And and honestly, the, there, there is a way to contact uh, me directly. Um if you go to the Medic Materials uh, Facebook group, there's actually a mentor tab now, which uh, you can click and actually join me on Messenger, like Facebook Messenger, directly. So if you just need to talk about a call Bent or out. reach out yeah, or whatever, yeah. I will listen. Like, I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, well, you just should, just, you know, get thicker eat. skin, go right. die somewhere. Right. And you <laughs> should literally, like, reach out to us or reach out to an organization that can right. help you. Right. And don't right. be afraid. We're not going to use it as, you know, like, call review fodder. Right. You right. Know? Also no. true. Not it's I will be 100% like HIPAA compliant. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Do not worry. You know. Um, but that's, that's a different story, you know. You know, and that's it. Like, use 
this as a platform for change. You know, if you're feeling like you need to, you know, get something out of there, message one of us, um, message the show, email yeah. the show, info at medicmaterials.com. Like, there's ways to reach out so, you know, you don't become another statistic. Reach out to Joni, reach out to Code Green, you know, reach out to your agency yeah. and push them into helping you. In my short time, I've had three people I know uh, kill themselves. So, not something I want to have. Don't be another anymore. statistic. Yeah. yeah. I just realized a really sad thing. My first day of EMT class, they put up a picture of this girl who was in the paramedic program and then killed herself. And that was the first thing they showed us. Gee, I wonder who that was. Yeah. Gee, I wonder who that was. It was still a really sad opener. Yeah. 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 It should I be, know. though. Especially it should be. Three seats in front of me for a year. And one behind me. And was my EMT skills instructor when I was a brand newbie. Yeah. So it does hit home. Like, there are people out there that, mm-hmm. you know, we even know that uh, that have lost their struggles to, you know, EMS mental health. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not just spitballing and being like, hey, you should do it this way. We've seen the effects of what this right. actually actually creates. And like I said, if if we need to be the change of and change in culture, then we need to start changing the culture and not wait for the administrators and the, you know, the top down kind of, you know, governmental oversight that we have it's, at it's EMS. It has to be grassroots. It can't, you know, don't it, it wait for the budget to, to allow it. Like, right. make the change yourself. Yeah. Make the change yourself. And, you know, be like... Kelsey is our ray of sunshine. Be that ray of sunshine oh, yes. in your agency. And don't let anyone take it or away. find it. Yeah. Yep. If, if you're the doom and gloom, you know, gray cloud. Kelsey, you're not allowed to leave me. That's okay. I'm, I'm not going anywhere. You're the sunshine. That's okay. I'm not going anywhere, guys. All right, guys. If there's nothing else, we will see you in June. It'll be nice and warm and my garden Woo-hoo. will be planted. Woo. Woohoo. Um, stay safe. Think happy Goodness. thoughts. Happy donuts. Happy donuts. <laughs> Happy donuts. <laughs> With sprinkles. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you'd like more information on the podcast or to send us a call to review, visit medicmaterials.com forward slash podcast. To learn more information, like us on Facebook at Medic Materials EDU or watch our weekly instructional videos on the Medic Materials YouTube channel.